Hi, everyone. It's Meredith from Women Who Travel. Lale and I are starting to record new episodes from where I am in Texas and where she is in New York, which you'll start hearing over the next few weeks. In the meantime, we're bringing back one of our favorite episodes from last year. As we all spend more time taking solitary walks and relishing in FaceTime and Zoom-based friendships, it made sense to share this episode where two best friends practice the French art of flaneuring or wandering without intention. Since most of us have been forced to slow down, here's an episode all about doing just that. Hi, this is Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveler. I'm Lale Arikoglu, and with me, as always, is my wonderful co-host Meredith Carey. Hi. And for this week's episode, we're joined by Erica Owen, author of The Art of Flaneuring, How to Wander with Intention and Discover a Better Life. Hi and sex and wellness writer and women who travel columnist, Laura Delarato, to talk about how, well, we all just need to slow down a bit when we're traveling. Whenever I'm in a new place, I feel a constant pressure to do everything. I need to eat at the coolest restaurants, shop the coolest shops, see that Instagrammable weird art thing that everyone's seeing and prove that I was there. And I often end up missing out on the best thing about travel, which is actually getting to know a place. And Erica, you've kind of written an entire book about this very thing. Yes, all 200 pages are about essentially that idea that you just said. And to the uninitiated, what is flaneuring? Sure. So flaneuring, you've there's a good chance you've already done it. Um, it's kind of like huga in that you're very familiar with the feeling of it, but you don't necessarily knew you didn't know there was a word for it. Um, it's wandering without intention. So it's not choosing a destination. It's just going outside, going. You know, you can be inside. You can be in a shopping mall. You can be in a park, and wandering without any point B in mind. So. Not interacting with your environment, but just being a wallflower. How do you feel like it has influenced the way that you take trips? Yeah, so I've always been a person who likes to plan one thing, maybe two things to do in a day and then just get a little bit lost. Not too lost. That's disastrous. There's so much pressure with making sure, like you mentioned, you're doing all the coolest things. And that's not what matters. Instagram is such a big catalyst for that. And I think... It takes your head out of worrying about what other people will think by just saying, I'm not going to care so much about what my route looks like. I'm just going to exist in what my route is. Wow, I'm like, <laughs> I need that like sort of framed somewhere in my apartment. I've thought about it a lot. That's really cute. <laughs> it's an embroidery now. And so full disclosure, Erica and Laura, the two of you are friends. We're we're this is my friends. best friend in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And when we when we were planning this, it really just came together so perfectly because we were like, okay, we can just like make them talk about their trips together. Oh my gosh. Yes. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so the two of you travel a lot. And Laura, I'm really interested to know how the way Erica prioritizes flaneurism. Is that the right? Am I saying? Flaneuring. Yeah. Flaneuring. We kind of made up the term flaneuring, to be honest. So you can make up whatever word you want with it. That's good. Um, You know, sorry to the flaneurs of Paris. Um, But Laura, how has Erica's interest in flaneurs and the act of flaneuring impacted your travels when you're together? Wow. I would say that For a really long time, I felt incredibly landlocked to my location. And I didn't really feel like I had the opportunity to travel or that I was like 
cool enough to be a person who traveled. And then I met Erica and Erica had like, we've been friends for a really long time, but like Erica had such a passion for it and also had lived in so many different places and really had this strong connection to like not always being in the place that you are, but being somewhere else and learning from that. And so when we went to Iceland together back in 2000, oh my gosh, when? Uh, It was like two years ago, three years ago. Wow. It was the first time I had ever really like traveled in a way that wasn't with family member or when I had to go play like travel soccer kind of thing like it wasn't with like a group team it was like a place that I actually wanted to go with someone who I really loved and for me that was like such a monumentous moment because I was like oh I can do this like this is a thing that's available to me and now it's become this like huge source of like power and that absolutely comes from Erica and also we like walk to work together and that I never thought that that was like a thing I could like do that people do in New York and now we do it and it's very cool and fun. Yeah, that was actually a lot of the book research and I call it out in the back too was Laura and I walking across a Brooklyn Bridge in the morning, which is nothing I would ever recommend. But It's so (laughs) difficult. Yeah, because neither of you live that close to where you work, right? No, I live in Bushwick. It's a good like 3.2 miles from my apartment. Laura, so nice she would show up on my stoop. It was a great vision to start the day off with. We would always get breakfast at the Hungry Ghost on, is it Fulton? Fulton? Oh, something. Yeah. Oh, I go to that coffee mm-hmm. shop. Yeah. yeah. That coffee mm-hmm. shop. And, and we, then we eat breakfast tacos. We do. And I saw one we, of the succession characters uh, really? recently. Oh my gosh. Willa. Yeah. Anyway, continue. And like, <laughs> what's cool about it is like Erica and I, and I'm sure everyone can understand this is like when, especially when you live in New York, like Everything is so scheduled. You could barely see your friends. You're constantly working. You're constantly hustling. There's always something to do. But, and I, we see each other a lot because of that, because like we've decided that we were going to make the time to like have these like walking trips to work and it allows us to catch up. We call, we FaceTime her mom, mm-hmm. who I call second mom. We do. And <laughs> so it's like, it's kind of a really, really fun thing to like do with your, your best friend every morning. Mm-hmm. Just, I, Laura, I want to go back to something you said a little earlier, which yes. was that before you started traveling with Erica, you felt like you weren't cool enough to travel. Yeah. What do you mean by that? I mean, like, I just always assumed that travelers were these, like, really dope human beings who had a ton of money and also, like they were just like cool enough to do it. Like they had always felt like very confident and very confident in their skin enough to like go somewhere else um, that wasn't part of their like world and that they, a place where they felt comfortable enough to be like uncomfortable. And that just like, wasn't what I thought I could do. I thought it was like for cooler kids with cooler money and cooler things. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like, one day, maybe. And then it just like never occurred to me that that could be a thing that I could do. I like what you say about being comfortable enough to be uncomfortable because when I see you in your travels, and first of all, you're very cool. You're a very dope person. <laughs> okay. um, it's just because I got a haircut today. <laughs> I mean, it adds maybe. to it. Uh, is whenever you travel, you use your social platform so well to crowdsource ideas of what you should see. And yeah. you also, I know one of your favorite souvenirs is to get a tattoo in the various places you're visiting. I have tons of tattoos. And I think it's, that's one of the things I do love about Flannering too, is you're going in essentially without your own plan. You're kind of letting others form what your plan should be. I don't know. I think that's a pretty cool 
way to do it. Yeah, I like I love the idea of letting someone who's from there who has been there tell me like what the coolest thing to do because there's just so much like a top 10 cool places to <laughs> go to that's on a tourist list like to do and that's beautiful and fun and I want to see maybe one of those things but like I went to Chicago I went to the coolest vintage shops in Chicago that were on zero lists I randomly found a like improv theater that I loved and it was just because like one person said to go there like on my Instagram and now I have friends there like because of those things and it makes me really happy yeah I'm wondering I feel like sometimes when you slow down like while I was saying earlier it feels like you're missing out on those top 10 coolest whatevers um especially when you're traveling how do you both give yourself permission to not try and do everything in one trip, let alone all of your travels? Gosh. After you. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that first. So one thing I've learned about myself in the past five years is that something I'm missing in my daily life is quiet. New York is a loud place. My brain is a loud place. Gosh, yeah. I think, yeah, you know. Oh my gosh. I think (laughs) that that is something that really drives me to not feel, I guess you could call it FOMO, whatever you want to call it. Um, Reminding myself that those are the, the most Instagrammable places for a reason. So many people are there. And a lot of them, I speak about Iceland because that's why I know the closest. Waterfalls are great. You know, all of the waterfall, the route along the south, amazing. So many people are going to see them. You should see them once, but plan another trip maybe, depending on where you are in your life at that moment and how much quiet you need. You can always go back. Um, You talk about, Laura, how, you know, traveling is expensive, and it is, but I think it's also a really interesting challenge to try and figure out more budget-friendly ways to visit and revisit those places. And you mentioned making friends in different destinations. I've made friends in Iceland now who I stay with every time that I go visit, in Reykjavik at least. Makes it easier. It's good to have friends, also cheaper to stay on their couch. Oh, my gosh. I love (laughs) a couch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, like, when I first started traveling, I... I had that ambition to be like, I need to see everything because this is what you're doing here. But then I realized as I kept traveling, I was like, this is a chance for me to live as this person who lives here for X amount of days. And that means going to the coffee shop and like doing what you need to do, like writing in your notebook. I was in London for four days earlier this year and I did some like cool things. But two of those days I actually spent in like a coffee shop doing some work on like my own like uh, passion projects. And it felt really nice to just sort of like be, just be there and be a Londoner for a little bit and not have anyone question it. Like, and the hardest thing was like deciphering how to like understand money, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and even that was, and that's like part of it. Like that's part of the travel and that's the experience. It's like, sure. Buckingham palace is really beautiful and it is, but the things that I remember are like, counting out pounds and um trying to understand like the when we were with in Iceland trying to understand like the large denominations in Iceland was funny and like trying to like say words properly like those are things I remember I don't really remember like some tourist thing with a bunch of other people I remember the small thing I think my favorite moment from our Iceland trip was when we were walking behind the red church in Vík along the south and Laura 
walked up on this hillside and she looked like Bryn of Tarth. I did. And I was like, let's take your picture. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, just a spot that we found, a perfectly mounded hill. And I was like, this is great. And that is one of my favorite photos of you and also one of my favorite memories. We just, there's no plan. It's yeah, just, no plan. You know, we were just quiet. there. Mm-hmm. I've talked about this trip before, but I also took a solo trip to London like two years ago and it was supposed to be a trip to Mexico with another friend and then our plans got canceled and I had taken a week of vacation. So I found super cheap flights um, and had some good coworkers to help me find hotels. But the two things I remembered most from that trip are getting my nails done at Cowshed and like yes. feeling so pampered and like Cowshed. It, it was just like, if I lived here, I would go and get my nails done at this very fancy place and I can like picture myself doing this. And then one day I was really tired and I like, filled the like beautiful hotel bath and they had the TV on a swivel and I watched like so many hours of Great British Baking Show like taking baths all day and it was like just really nice and that was when I realized how much I loved solo travel was sitting alone in my hotel room in the bath. Mary Berry would have applauded that. I mean of course. Mm -hmm. Of course Mm -hmm. Mary Berry. Yeah. I've also like I'm from London. I've never been to Buckingham Palace. I haven't been to half yeah. the sites. It's like whenever you talk to someone who like lives in one of these major cities, no one's ever been to those and that's mm-hmm. not... Obviously, they're wonderful things to see and I don't want to discredit it, but it is not... You're not going to m- lose a sense of a place if you don't visit those Visit every single one yeah. of yeah. those places. Totally. Oh, I'm from New York. I've never been to like the Statue of Liberty because I'm from here. And it's I've seen it. I know what it is. I see it from one of these windows in in this office but uh like it's just not a thing yeah you know new york is so much bigger than that and london is so much like bigger than that and integrated and cool so i totally get that i'm trying to think i'm from wisconsin uh i'm trying to think of the one thing that i haven't been to that would be <laughs> big and noteworthy something something cheese, cheese. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the yeah. cheese curd factory is <laughs> there you know there is a oh i forget what it's called but cheese castle of some sort that's supposed to be good um i will say if you're ever driving between iowa and wisconsin the world's largest truck stop is a place to be and see actually that reminds me of something i wanted to ask earlier which is you know to Flaneris to walk, mm-hmm. what if you're in a city that isn't mm-hmm. walking friendly? What if you're in LA? What if you're in Dallas? Dallas? <laughs> See how well-trained I am? Yeah. It's going to be my next city. There you go. Um, yeah, so I actually wrote a couple chapters about that, being from the Midwest and walking down the highway is not a thing that is ever advised and is the quickest way to get from point A to B, even though you're trying to avoid that when you're flanoring. Um, I fully believe that you can flanore while you're driving. I used to do it all the time and I still do it when I go home. Uh, There's a particular route around Whitewater Lake where I'm from and it's just really beautiful around twilight. So I'll drive with no you know, direction in mind and just take it in. And it's not, you know, driving while not paying attention. Of course, you're paying attention, you're doing an act, but it is just noticing a very familiar route and during a different time of day, even that can take you out of your mind. So I think you can do it while you're driving. You can also do it. I mean, I write about in the book, you can do it in Walmart if that's all you have, like go people watching. That's a great place to do that. I mean, any shopping mall, my grandfather's a big mall walker or used to be. That's fun to watch. Like, go check that out. You know, you can do it in any space that is accessible to you. And also, if you can't, if walking is something you can't do, I think that, you know, the accessibility is also a thing that I talk about. So, 
you know, if you're in a wheelchair, like just experiencing a park in a different way, you know, a different city, um, doing what you can just to just don't interact with your environment. Just watch it. You were saying your brain is loud. How long does it take you to like put yourself into the mindset of Flanor or like into a mindful space? I think it's easier when I'm with someone like Laura because you're automatically you're talking about we have a lot of observations of what's happening around us or if we really (laughs) like some pair of shorts or something. I know we've talked about that in the past that pass by. We're like, ooh, where'd they get those? You know, it's really easy when you're with another person to pull yourself out of that. When I'm traveling, I find it a little harder. Um, Whenever I go to Iceland, it takes me a day or two, especially when I get out of Reykjavik. I try to go once a year at least just because that is my quiet space. And I find that I am very reset after I get back. Um, And I love bringing friends every year so they can experience it. But it takes me like a good day or two to forget about work, forget about, you know, checking in with family, checking in with my boyfriend, that kind of thing. Yeah. I find it's like the moment that I interact with someone, like the first moment, because that could be an exchange of money. It could be like, Uh, can you show me where this is? It could be anything. And the moment that like that person speaks to me, I feel like I'm fully in it and that's it. And I'm like, I love that. I'm there. I'm envious. Because the rest of the time prior to that, you're in your head and you're like, oh no, they're going (laughs) to (laughs) know. They're going to know I'm not from here. Um, But then like the moment you get over it and you talk to that person and then you're like, no, it's fine. I'm going to order this glass of wine in Paris and I'll be fine. You know, I've already, I've broken the seal, so to speak. Yeah. But I would say the same thing. Like when you're with a friend and with Erica, especially when we walk to work or when we just like hang out as human beings, it's so nice to just sort of like let everything go and just Mm -hmm. be calm with someone who like gets you on like a biological level I would say at this point so sweet (laughs) I brought in biology to talk about our friendship I am cool disgusting (laughs) so weird (laughs) Laura I love that you brought up Paris because you wrote a fantastic essay for us about um taking yourself out to eat dessert in Paris and using it as a tool to overcome greater fears and I feel like that was also like an act of being a flaneur and watching the world goodbye and kind of reaching this more like meditative state that allowed you to then break those barriers. Yeah, that was one of my favorite essays I've ever written because like as I wrote it, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like this is this is a therapy in X amount of words, you know? Like for me, I've always spent my whole life trying to be smaller or trying to be a person who fit into like certain norms of how my body should be or how I should be with this body. For people listening, I'm a plus size person, which is dope and fun and great. But you don't realize like how many little things sort of like integrate or go into your mind when you have a plus size body. And it doesn't Some people are totally okay and feel great, but there are like little things where I realized that like I just wasn't eating around people and I would never say that I was hungry and I would never order dessert because for me, those were just things that were not allowed. They were no, like I was not allowed to be like that kind of plus size person ever. And that's sort of like said to you as you're a kid, like you're told to like, you need to lose weight. You need to like not eat that. You need to not do that. And like, then you're an adult and you go to Paris and you're like, 
oh no, <laughs> I need to eat stuff. Or like you go to work and you need to like eat and you start to like like confront those bigger issues, those bigger like diet culture issues that come into your brain. And so when I was in Paris, like it was super, If at first it was really stressful, you know, like just sitting down and ordering food because <laughs> hint, hint, I don't speak the language. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> They're like counting out your euros as well. Yeah, like, like, so no, <laughs> But like, of course, like you get over that, that's fine. But for some reason, like, Ordering creme brulee and just eating it by myself in a Parisian petite cafe where there's large windows and a lot of people around, intense fear of that was so great. But then like, I was like, you know what? I'm away from everyone. What's someone going to say to me? You know, I don't live here. And so it. what I love about travel is that it allows you to just sort of like find those fearful moments and break through like through them and I loved it and so then when I came I've, imagine I came back and I was like I'm eating creme brulee all the time <laughs> but what it did was it allowed me to like be myself and just be and not feel so like unhinged to, with the thought that like oh no I'm going to be like I'm making all plus size women or all plus size bodies like uh just like we're going down this wrong path you know and then like challenging like why does it feel scary to like eat dessert in front of people like why does it make me feel nervous and why should I even care and so it allowed me to like break through that but also like challenge some like pretty intense like fat phobic things that I had in my brain that has been taught to me my entire life so like it was a really beautiful moment and it was like a really fun essay to write and I think a lot of my essays are all just like here's this crazy thing and I'm gonna try to get work through it <laughs> everyone come along the journey <laughs> and I'm in a foreign place while I'm doing so, it <laughs> I don't speak the language <laughs> let's go to therapy <laughs> Um, when you're talking about just being somewhere, you know, you were saying that you pick maybe two things on a trip to make sure you visit and then like are flexible and, and it sounds like you do a similar thing um, with the advice of your social media followers. Um, how do you plan a trip to not plan? Ah, I mean, I just kind of, I really love hotel experiences and Airbnbs. So that's where I put my focus and I'll pick some quirky, beautiful A-frame cabin in the middle of nowhere. And they'll be like, hey, who's crazy and wants to come stay here for a week with me or something? Yeah. And then, you know, I will do some early research. I found the Herring Museum on my most recent trip to Iceland in this town called um, Siglufjordr amazing the best museum I've ever been to and I was like all right that's one of the things and then another thing that I'm going to completely kill the name of uh Visingor it's a German artist Lucas Kuhn who made these cement sound domes up in the mountains above a town called Sadisfjordr and I was like all right I'm also going to go to that in the same day um and I think just having those two things are a comfort object of sorts it's like even if I don't do anything else I did these things and if I'm tired I'll just take a nap um, that's more just peace of mind for me. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty simple. I don't think about planning. I'm not a good planner. When I moved to New York, I didn't plan it. I got a job. I'm like, okay, boyfriend, I'm moving to New York. Do you want to come at some point? And that's <laughs> been my whole mark. life. And he said yes. I'm like, great, good. <laughs> I'm also yeah. not a planner. It infuriates everyone it's around the same. me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's a great thing. I'm a it's planner, good. and I feel like I have to actively say, like, 
and now we stop. Like I have like done all this research and I'm going to like book these things and like now I'm making a conscious decision to not touch this anymore because otherwise I'll like accidentally end up planning the whole thing. Yeah. 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 The sense of discovery is nice too, but it's hard. It's really hard when it's so easy to gather information and look on Instagram for photos. I like, what I like to do is I like to plan one thing that I have to be at for the day and then I'll just discover everything around it. So I have this really cool tattoo from Jean-Andre in Paris and it's, um, you can't see it because we're listening to things, <laughs> but it's a cool Parisian lady with a beret with a heart on her boobs that are definitely out right on my arm. And I'm obsessed it's with beautiful. it. So I knew that I was getting that because I had been following him and I loved his work and I was like, this is what's going to happen. He even made her like plus size for me. Like he made her bigger just like specifically for me, which I was like, not a lot of people would like, not a lot of tattooed artists would have done that. But on the way there, I found this like crazy market. So I was like, I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I found this like really cool, like Ferris wheel ride in the middle of the market. And then I was like, oh, all right, that's awesome. And then I found this like place that made this like really amazing uh, like quiche. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I went there and then I, on the way back after I got my tattoo, I found this place called like retro vintage or however you say that in French. And uh, I bought <laughs> I like, or something, <laughs> something cool. And I was this tiny little vintage store and I bought my first like leather jacket, like out of nowhere. And so like, I knew I had to go to one thing, but on the way I was just like, everything's going to be expansive from this. And so I, that's what I like is like you have like a little place for yourself. Also like a freshly made quiche and like a vintage leather jacket is like the and most Parisian tattoo. Yeah, <laughs> a tattoo. What a day. Tell them the oh tattoo gosh. name. What? What's the name of your tattoo? Oh, uh, this is Jean. This is named after Erica's mom. Aww. Who first off hates she tattoos. She hates tattoos. She tells me I can't get any more and I still do, but she loved yours. Yeah, she loves my tattoos. Hates Erica. I want to scream. <laughs> this is and what you, best friends are for. I know. And you know, know that if good. you got the tattoo and named her Jean, she'd be like, why, do you, why yeah. did you do that? She, would disown, she wouldn't disown me. She's a lovely, lovely lady. She's the best. She texted me the other day just to be like, I was thinking good thoughts about you. I was like, mom. She same. texted me to tell her she got a haircut today. <laughs> <laughs> Moms are the best. Best. They are. They're just the they best. Are. Yeah. yeah. Oh. You should listen to the episode of Women Who Travel with Our Moms. Our Moms. They're, they are the best. Um, you're talking about your trip to Paris. You've mentioned cabins, Iceland. Is there like a perfect trip in your mind when you think, oh, this was like a great slowdown? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm starting to work on another book. And my perfect trip involves work, which is kind of weird, but... And it's to Iceland, which is a place I've already been, but I, you know, I won't ever live there. So I just like to visit again and again and again. So I think the ideal trip for me is Iceland has more authors per capita than any other country. And I would love to go for a week and just spend that week writing, having coffee whenever I want to, taking walks whenever I want to. I want it to be a little bit snowy, but not a lot of snow. So it has to be the perfect time. And it would be in a cabin in the middle of nowhere within an hour's drive of a city so I don't go insane. <laughs> That's my deal. I've obviously thought about this because I have a week off coming up and I'm not taking that trip, but I thought about taking that trip. I enjoy the fact that you're like this Iceland trip that's a little snowy. 
Yeah, just a little bit. Just I like a extreme bit. environment. Very specific time of year. Yeah. Yeah. Like now, October. <laughs> <laughs> there was like one day in Iceland where it definitely was like the hottest day, mm-hmm. hailed, mm-hmm. snowed, and then rained. Yeah. It's beautiful. I love it so much. <laughs> I was like, what is Chris happening? Um, I, so I'm Italian and my grandma's from Italy and like my whole family's super Italian, like pasta on Sunday kind of Italian. And I've always, I've never been, I always wanted to go. And I feel like when I think of Italian culture, it's always like really big and loud and a lot of things are going on and things are happening. But what's really beautiful, the thing that I've learned from my grandmother, that it's actually like very at home. It's very much like we cook during the day. We like go have gardens. Like one of my cousins in Italy is a painter. Like things feel really slow and languid and beautiful and precise. And there there is going to the market and there is going to like dinner in cool places, but that's like on Fridays or on, it's like very specific times, but it's not like during the week. And I I find that to be like when I think about my ideal slow down travel, it's probably going to be Italy. I'm going to be Diane Keaton, I think. <laughs> no, Diane Lane from from Under the Tuscan Sun. I'm going to buy a white dress. I'm going to get gelato. It's gonna that's what my life is going to be. We got a few years, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be like going to Italy and experiencing like what it means to be like to be a part of that culture. It's funny that we just talked about very comfortable things in terms of what we would want. But someone asked me recently, we were talking about the book, and she was like, what's a good trip I should take if I want to Flanora? And I was like, oh, you should go somewhere that makes you a little bit uncomfortable, which is kind of talking about what we mentioned earlier. Because in your forest, not to focus necessarily on yourself, but everything around you, which is the body's defense mechanism, but also a good lesson in taking you out of your comfort zone. So I don't know. It's funny that I described something I would love to do. It's like the cozy blanket of a trip that I just described is not what I would recommend for other people. Yeah. I always say like, depends on where, but like, I'd be like, go to New Orleans, get crazy. Like, you know, (laughs) that's why I'm like, go. Yeah. Have fun. I've actually been in New Orleans twice. And the first time it was like very touristy. I did all the things. And the second time I like, did all the other stuff. I found like a cool hotel pool. I found this like dope bar. Oh, country club. I know I went to country club, but then I went to another one. Oh yeah. I found all the cool stuff. Mm. I think New Orleans is, is such an awesome place to get out of your comfort zone because like there is truly nowhere else like it. And it's so walkable, even though it doesn't seem like it, like the neighborhoods, you can really like dive in. The last time I was there was 4th of July and we would walk in the morning and then like go to a movie in the afternoon when it got too hot and then walk again in the evening. I love that. Um, that is so smart. Because it was like 700% humidity. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, I think that when you're talking about going out of your comfort zone and being super observant as to what's going on around you, I find that those are the times that I notice the little things most mm-hmm. because I'm so actively paying attention because I could potentially get disastrously lost. Yeah. Um, even when I'm intentionally trying to get lost, you mm-hmm. like want to go up to a point. There are like so many ways to do it too because you could put yourself in a controlled environment where it's take a boat from Reykjavik to Greenland where you're not driving commanding the boat. I don't know the right word for that. Steering (laughs) Steering. the ship. 
Uh, but it is like totally out of your comfort zone. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that trip is for you either. <laughs> Everyone's different. Yeah. We'll have to figure it out. It'll be in our yes. New Year's resolution. Ooh, <laughs> yes. Come January. You have three months to think to about, think about it. it. Exactly. Um, do you guys have anything else you like particularly want to get off your chests? Yeah. I mean, that trip that we took to visit my parents, I thought, and you wrote about that, was yeah. like a really good example of slowing down. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, well, I'll okay. totally talk about yeah. it. So by like, I didn't, I didn't grow up with like my parents per se. I grew up with my grandparents in the Bronx. And so my grandparents have always been my parents. Like I legit call my grandmother every single morning and she legit, she yells at me to like put on a sweater and I'll be like, it's 90 degrees out. <laughs> um, so when I turned 30 or like right around the time, two years ago, actually right after we went to Iceland, my grandfather had passed away and it was like the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. And it was, it was like, I'm I'm losing my dad. I'm losing the person who like was like the person I called every single morning, the person who like helped me do my taxes. Like <laughs> he was like the person who taught me how to drive everything. And while I understand that like grandparents are older and like have a shorter lifespan with you, like it was just like not the same for me. And so like a few weeks after that happened and I was like having like a lot of like, I was having a hard time with it. Erica was like, let's go to, let's go to Wisconsin and hang out with my parents. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, Yes, I need to like get out of this routine of sadness. And the craziest thing was like, I did all the things that I was terrified of. If that may, I mean, like all these like weird little things that I was kind of terrified of. Like, I do not like lakes and I do not oh, like bodies yeah. of water where I can't see things. And we just like jumped off. It's a off. creepy lake. It's the creepiest it's lake creepy. that you took me yeah. to. And we, I just like jumped off a dock. And at one point she goes, Yeah, an eel swim, swam by. And I was like, I don't care. And it's almost like, you've already like gone through this like really horrible thing and your brain's just trying to reset and find stuff. But it was super nice to just be like taken care of for a few days and like go to a drive-in movie theater and like eat a bunch of cheese and like mm -hmm. hang Lots out with like Dan and Jean, <laughs> mom and dad. It was also my brother's college uh, or no, he was moving to Arkansas. So there, he was throwing a party. So there were like 40 yeah. Um, under 20 years old or no not under <laughs> mid 20 year mid old like young men it was interesting yeah um, lots of beer but yeah but it was like a time for me to like get out of my routine and sort of like take a break at, from being so sad and I came back and I was like oh I'm okay I'm okay of course this was hard of course I'm gonna be sad but like it's not as like heavy on me anymore. And it was all because I just like, just got out of my comfort zone a little bit. And like, I had never thought I'd ever go to Wisconsin. And I guess it reminded you that like, you could feel different. Like yeah. when you feel that sadness, you forget that you ever felt any other way. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, but it was like the best medicine, honestly, for it. And I was really lucky. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> you're always welcome back. They ask when you're coming to visit, I think more than me. Probably. That's fine. <laughs> it was interesting to watch you slow down too. Like yeah. knowing you so well and knowing how fast you usually run. Yeah. And just watching you. I'm like, all right, she's she's taking a taking a beat. It's good. Yeah, because we it's all good. work so hard and mm -hmm. I like am constantly working. So it was this moment where I was like, I can't think about this or anything else. Mm -hmm. I have to physically like take a break. Yeah. And it was really nice. I actually have one question for yeah. you, which we probably should have asked at the beginning. When did you decide that you were going to slow down when you were traveling? That's a really good question. The first thing that pops into my head is a trip that I planned with my brother. We went to Tromsø, Norway. Um, it was 
a gift to him for graduating his undergrad. And I said, we can go anywhere in the world you want. And he picked Norway because he knows I love Scandinavia. It was very sweet. And I caught a horrible sinus infection the day before we left. So I was forced to slow down. We did not take the boat tour through the fjords that we wanted to. We did not go skiing. We did not go dog sledding. We Actually, I think we did do that one. But that was about all I could do. And that was actually a really tough trip to come home from because, of course, I wanted to spend more time with him and do more things with him. And I was upset at the end of it to think we don't have this long list of amazing Instagram moments from, you know, from our trip to Norway, but I was okay with that because him and I, we had an amazing time. Um, and we have a lot of memories from that. We met some people, you know, who I still talk to you to this day. Um, so I think that was the first time I was forced into thinking that way. The way my family travels too is very, I guess I would call it quiet. So it's probably been my whole life that I've traveled like that to an extent. My parents took my brother and I to Madrid when I was a senior in high school because they had, they spent, I think it was four years living in Madrid when they were first married. So they wanted us to experience what they had lived through. And I remember that trip being very, I guess, lackadaisical for lack of a better word. It was just very, um, oh, we want to eat here. Fine. Ryan doesn't feel good. Mom, go home with Ryan. Dad and I will go drink at the bars and meet German families and do random things, you know, that an 18-year-old drinking wine in Spain should probably not be doing, but it was real fun. Um, so I think there's like two answers. As an adult, I've re realized it after that trip with my brother. And then I've always been a bit of a, I like to call it a lazy traveler in my head, but it's not. It's just watching, taking it in slowly. <laughs> That feels like a perfect place to end. Uh, Erica's book comes out next Tuesday, October 22nd, and we'll leave a pre-order link in the show notes. Um, Laura has also got an amazing bi-monthly newsletter called 1-800-HEY-LAURA, dedicated to accessible sex and body image thought starters. You can also find a link to subscribe in the show notes as well. If people want to follow your travels slash regular lives on Instagram or generally on the internet, where could they find you, Laura? Oh, they can find me at Hey Laura Hey with three Y's at the end because it's just sort of like Hey Laura Hey. It's really funny. <laughs> That's how I say it in my head. I say it too. <laughs> I head. see it. Also, like Laura Delorado, it's just I was like, "That's not me." I mean, it is me, but it's not yeah. me on the internet. So, it's Hey right. Laura Hey. Mine is not as fun. It's Erica Ray Owen, spelled with a K, not a C, in that Erica first part there. Um, on Instagram, and then. If you search Erica Ray Owen, you'll find a lot of articles about Iceland. <laughs> I'm at Lale Hanna on Instagram. I'm at Oh Hey There Mare. And reminder that we've just launched our 2020 Women Who Travel trips to Colombia, Mexico, and Cuba. You can learn more info and sign up at cntraveler.com slash WWT trips. We will talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>